Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. This is Leprechaun Lunch with Sean Styers and Jim Irizarry on Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT. Well, it is Leprechaun Lunchtime. And, of course, we are presented by First State Bank. Lending strength to our communities by devoting ourselves to helping local businesses grow and prosper. Hope you're having a good day so far as we get set for another night home game tomorrow night at Notre Dame Stadium. Along with Jimmy Rosari, I'm Sean Styers. Leprechaun Lunch presented by First State Bank. and It's been nasty out there. <laughs> All week. Basically, yeah, for like... I think we had two decent days earlier, but it's nasty, right? It's supposed to be decent tomorrow. I don't think it's supposed to rain tomorrow. Okay. Fingers crossed on that. Yeah, I know. know. Let me let me double check my weather app. I don't want to get out of bed on days like this. It's like, oh, what's the point? What's crazy is like the way I feel when I get out of bed. It's like my body knows before I even get out of bed (laughs) (laughs) what the weather is doing. Out there. I mean, I guess that just says old, but uh, <laughs> yeah, cloudy and in the 50s all day tomorrow. Oh, no geez. no real wind to speak of, you know, like 8 to 10 miles an hour type stuff in the 50s. And then by the end of the game, it will be below 50 degrees. So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's been one of those weeks where my office is in my basement. Ah, you know, so okay. I'll I'll go down there. Uh, you know, it's it's probably you know seven thirty in the morning or something like that, and you know, still pretty dark out, which is normal for this time right. of year. Right. Um, I'll come up, you know, like nine thirty, ten o'clock, grab another cup of coffee, and it's still just as dark as it was <laughs> at seven thirty, and I'm just like, ah, oh, okay, good, good. Well, it's one of those days. And you know, just kind of what you're saying there. We're still we're still doing a high percentage of our work from home. Like yeah. like when we, you know, do our shows and stuff like that in studio. But doing the work from home. So like on days like this, it's like I've got to have every light in the house on. Otherwise, yeah. I just feel like oh yeah, <laughs> I'm just falling asleep. <laughs> trying you know, to I, get I, I'm done. I'm trying to get like every bit of natural light you know whatever little bit of natural light uh-huh. is outside you know exactly. every blind is open every curtain is open every lamp is on full blast exactly you know the the uh, the, the dining room the bathroom light for some reason i'll leave yep. on even you know it's just like oh god <laughs> we got the hallway light the kitchen light the bathroom yeah. light the light in the den the light in the guest room yeah. you know everywhere so um, I'm stealing. Well, I'm stealing lamps out of the neighbor's house. You know, yeah, that's bringing right. them over. So, <laughs> floodlights on the outside. <laughs> right, <laughs> it's like a movie set. <laughs> I've got runway lights coming in. You know, just bright. So that's right. That's right. <laughs> well, hopefully, we will brighten up somebody's day over the next hour. Hopefully. I don't know. 
We'll see if we can we'll see if we can get it done. Hey, I mean, after last week, it sounds like maybe we'll see uh, a lot more lights at Notre Dame Stadium tomorrow night with uh, you know the pregame and the third quarter end of third quarter thing you know with, with the with the fans and the the uh the cell phone lights and all that stuff okay. it was it was pretty cool stuff pretty cool looking stuff looking forward to seeing i would imagine we're going to see it i don't know why we wouldn't i mean from a recruiting standpoint we'd been talking about last week the usc week obviously as the big week there were i think what mike singer told me yesterday uh, from blue and gold uh, around 120 total recruit visits in last week and now there were varying levels you know from some five star and that you know that also included potential preferred walk-on prospects and you know Mm -hmm. those kind of guys as well so but but they had a lot but they're going to be what mike said they're going to be around 100 again this weekend for tomorrow's game so against north carolina so i would imagine we're going to see the light show once again the kids love a good light show i'll say that's right that's right I know Kyron Williams was hyped. There was a video of him hopping around on the sideline. Yeah, I and saw all that, that kind of yeah. stuff when they were doing that. So, <laughs> I guess we'll see. But all right, well, let's talk some actual football. Start us off. Jim, all right, what do you have uh, biggest matchup for tomorrow. What do you What do you see as the biggest matchup for tomorrow? What are you specifically looking for as you're making your analysis for the post game show? Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, now. That post-game show analysis, now that happens on the fly. I mean, you can oh, okay. only get that. You know, <laughs> only one place to get that. That's right. By the way, um, quick side note. Did mm-hmm. you catch Did you catch when I slipped Bobby Brown the, the, the prerogative last I did. week? I did, did catch that, it? yes. Yes. I chuckled. I didn't you know I, I didn't use my prerogative. Right. I, I was trying to figure out it's like this is this is killing me. I, I've got to get this I've got I've got to get this word in here with That's this right. guy with with this name. How and so do Bobby I do said it? something and yeah. I said, "Well, that may be your prerogative, Bobby." But <laughs> <laughs> and he enjoyed it. He enjoyed it since he said he said I didn't, you know, use it like everybody else used it. So he at least enjoyed me. Well, you there know, you go. Giving it a shot. All so. right. That's right. So I've got that going for me. But Evan Sharpley will be back tomorrow night. Um, No doubt the matchup of the game is not necessarily an individual matchup. It's going to be similar to last week. It's going to be a number one receiver against Notre Dame's secondary, Notre Dame's defense. Last week it was Drake London, the USC wide receiver, who – Still ended up having a really big day in terms of catches, 15 catches for over 170 yards. He broke one, a 44-yarder, but it didn't go for a score. And now there was, at the end of the first half, if Keaton Slovis would have seen uh, Drake London, he might have had a touchdown pass there and probably mm-hmm. should have had, but uh, he didn't see him, and you know it happens to every quarterback when you're under pressure, and you know so credit Notre Dame's defense and specifically the front for for getting the pressure, and not letting Slovis have time to see that. This week though, it's Josh Downs, and uh, Downs doesn't quite have the the gaudy numbers that Drake London has, but at the same time he's got good numbers: 60 receptions, 837 yards coming into this game, just under 14 yards per catch. Eight touchdowns that he has this year. He's got. He's only got one multiple touchdown game. That was against Virginia a few weeks ago at the end of September. 
but he's got at least one touchdown catch in eight straight games going back to the Orange Bowl last year. And that's that's kind of an interesting side note because as we've got Sean Crest coming up to talk North Carolina in a little bit, a lot of Carolina's top players opted out of that game last year, and so that kind of gave Josh Downs more opportunities. And uh, Downs last year, he is uh, just a sophomore, but uh, in that Orange Bowl last year against Texas A&M had a pretty good game, four catches for 91 yards. And again, he was not their number one guy last year. He did not have much in terms of production last year. But he is uh, like when when you look at what he has done this year, like against Virginia, he had an eight catch day for 203 yards. He averaged 25.4 yards per catch. But then, like you look the week before that. Eight catches, 73 yards, only 9.1 per catch against Georgia State. But, I mean, he is a productive guy. He is uh, only five foot ten, so he is not a big guy. He's he's a slot guy who will move around a little bit, but he doesn't necessarily, I don't think, work as much from the outside as Drake London did. So it'll be really interesting to see how Notre Dame defends him. And, you know, the other – like, you don't expect, because he is in the slot, you don't expect him – to take the top off the defense as much as a guy like Drake London could, an outside you know, receiver getting deep and stuff like that. But it's still going to be really interesting because of him and the fact that Sam Howell has become a mobile quarterback. He was not a mobile quarterback last year. Only He only ran for like 140 yards last year, but he already has over, almost 500 yards coming into this mm-hmm. game. So you've got a dual-threat quarterback who can move around a little bit and a wide receiver who has 60 catches for 837 yards, Josh Downs. So with Kyle Hamilton being out, you know that's there's there's sort of more stress on the back end of Notre Dame's defense, and and also more stress on the front end. You know, guys with the secondary to make those open field tackles. They've done a pretty good job of that. Really, since struggling with that early on, they've done a much better job of that over the last four or five games or so. But. Uh, it's, to me, that is the matchup of the game. Josh Downs, North Carolina's wide receiver, who is uh, in the top seven in the nation with both 60 receptions and 837 yards this season. All right. I was going to go front seven against uh, against Sam Howell, just because, as you mentioned, dual I like threat. like that as well. Yeah, dual threat quarterback. Uh, you know, how much time is he going to have to pass to Josh Downs, for instance? Uh, how many yards is he, you know, how how quickly are they going to be able to flush him out of the pocket and then, you know, still keep him to, you know, maybe like just like a one or two yard gain or something like that? Right. You know, is all is all that stuff, you know, how how is all that going to play out? So I was, well, I was thinking along those lines. So the interesting part about having not watched a ton of North Carolina football this year, the interesting part about how being a runner this year with again almost 500 yards is he's also been sacked 27 times so even though he can run he gets sacked quite a bit so i I, i'm looking for for notre dame's front to have some success against north carolina's north carolina's offensive line i think brian kelly brought up earlier this week the big key is third down plays breaking down assignments breaking down on third down and then he makes plays with their legs to extend drives and stuff like that. But I agree. I mean, that is that that to me would be after you the reason I picked Downs is because all those numbers that I mentioned, 
He has 60 receptions. The next most that a Carolina receiver has is 16. <laughs> yeah, it's something ridiculous so, like that. Yes. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> he has, like, it's, I think it's 40. He's accounted for, like, 43% mm-hmm. of North Carolina's receiving production. So, he's the guy, you know, again, like, like you can live, even though Drake London last week ended up with, with the huge numbers, again, he didn't find the end zone. So, you can live with that. You can live with Downs having some catches and things like that, as long as you're not letting him break big plays. And, and to your point as well, what you're talking about, as long as you don't let Sam Howell kind of get loose and, and make plays with his legs as well. All right. Uh, question number two. Uh, you know, North Carolina coming into town, of course, you know, known as big basketball school. Can you believe it's basketball season already? I was thinking about that when we started. I mean, we have <laughs> reached the uh, – what would you call the the the, the, the intersection of yeah. of sports seasons for sure? Because we've got Notre Dame men's basketball exhibition coming up tonight. We've got Notre Dame hockey, obviously. We've got a Notre Dame women's exhibition game coming up Monday, and of course a football weekend. Plus the NBA and the NHL are going, and it is we are uh, we are at the prime intersection. <laughs> it's a fun time of year. Yes. It's a fun time of year for, for us who, you know, kind of work in this. Oh, absolutely. Stuff, so. There's always something going on now. Yeah. Like every time you turn around, there's something. And, and I can't because it's like, it seems like the season just started. Yeah. Oh, and Vince D'Addario texts, oh, don't forget the World Series. Yes, you're right. And the NFL, <laughs> I guess, too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but we've <laughs> oh, got yeah. Game oh, three. yeah. Football. But. We've, but we've got game three of the World Series coming up tonight. I don't know about you, yeah. but this. We were going to talk about this on Rapid Fire last night. We ran out of time. I'm just – I I think the reason I forgot about the World Series is I'm just not into this series. I don't uh, know yeah, about I'm, you. Like I, Atlanta and Houston just does not move the needle for me. Yeah. I, I'm, I just, I, I'm, I'm having a hard time. I'm, I'm just like, eh, okay, all right. Yeah. I mean, we, I mean I'm, I'm glad that it's not the usual, you know – New York and Boston or, you know, the Dodgers again or something like, you know, one of the yeah. one of the one of the teams that you always see seemingly. Well, see, but but I mean, this is the third in what, five years? That's true. In Houston, yeah. I think. But but there's no like other other than Altuve, I, I really don't care that much about anybody on that. You know, even I yeah. know he's a cheater and all that stuff. He's still a good <laughs> baseball player. But, yeah. <laughs> but he's been he's been able to play without the cheating. So But you know, you know the other thing the other thing that we talked about on Rapid Fire last night was we can just, I guess, just totally get sidetracked on this for a minute since since it came up, is the Rob Manfred comment yeah. that, that that he made this week God. at his press conference before the series. He basically said that baseball is a regional sport. He said, we don't market ourselves nationally. And it's like, well, duh, just look at the way you've done things. <laughs> right. <But> like, <laughs> the, fact think, that, the fact that Mike Trout is not a bigger star. Yeah. In the sports world, there's your there's your prime case right there. Yeah, but like since the rise of the regional sports networks mm-hmm. where all you know, where baseball's, you know, the local T V contracts basically for all these teams, and that's really what, in the last twenty, twenty five years, like the Braves yeah. the Braves when they were in their prime in the nineties with Smoltz and Glavin and Maddox and Justice and you know, all those guys, Terry Pendleton they were a much more national team because you could still see them without paying a subscription. You could still see them on the Superstation. Same right. with the Cubs. Now, the Cubs weren't as good, obviously. But my point is, like, 
the Braves became a national team in in the 90s, mm-hmm. but that has gone away because of the fact that if you you know, if if they're not playing an ESPN game of the week and they don't much because they're not the Red Sox or the Yankees. Exactly. They they have become I mean, Manford is right. Baseball has become a regionalized sport. But the fact that Major League Baseball's commissioner would say that before the World Series out loud, it's like, did you ever watch The Simpsons when, like, Homer would think that he was thinking something, but he said it out loud? (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's like, Homer, I can hear you. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, Manfred. (laughs) Yeah, I I, I couldn't I still can't believe that he said that even. Because, like, even, okay, yeah, your, your strength you know, as far as marketing the league, obviously, is going to be in your home cities. Of course it is. Right. But this is still a league that is looking to expand. Right. You know, like like Montreal comes up as, as an expansion prospect. You know, Portland, Nashville, uh, Las Vegas even uh, has shown up as a, uh, as a potential new city in, in Major League Baseball. So how do you get people excited in, you know, towns that you're not in already? Oh, you do a little marketing. Right, you know, like, like, but they don't market their players well either. No, they they, the they never too. have. They never yeah. have. It's like it's like they're great. Pub- well, it's like a giant Rubik's cube. I was thinking about this. I, I've thought about this really the last couple of years. Bryce Harper has all but disappeared yeah. as like a national star. I mean, he was a bigger star when he before he signed the free agent contract with the Phillies. Yeah, bigger market than DC. He was a bigger star as a Washington National than he is. But what been the last, what is it, three years now since yeah. he's been in Philadelphia? I mean, he's yeah, all but three. disappeared. Yeah. Like, you don't even hardly hear about Bryce Harper anymore. Which is it, crazy. I mean, to, now granted, Philly hasn't exactly been tearing it up on the field. Right. You know, so there, there is kind of that. But you're right. I mean, that, you know, Bryce Harper, Mike Trout, you know, those guys are, are you know, like the backbone. Yeah, you know, or you know, and and then sure you I had mean, you, was, ha, you had Otani come on this year, and you know, I I, I think I think if I, I don't know, you know, I don't know. I was just like I, I like all these guys, <laughs> these guys should be at least you know recognizable if you if they were to like come into the room. You know what I oh, mean? Yeah, and and it, and at least Bryce Harper, I think most people would recognize him because. Yeah. He was a pretty big – because that's what I was going to say. Like, you brought up Trout, and that's a great point, too, because it was really Trout and Harper there for about, what, five years or so. Yeah. But, again, it's like Harper has all but disappeared from the national zeitgeist since he signed that mm-hmm. free agent contract. And Otani, they just gave Otani an award the other day. I, I think it was like the same day or the day before that press conference where Manfred stuck his foot in his mouth. They gave him this <laughs> award – and I can't remember exactly. Let me see if I can find it real quick. It's an award that they only give on sort of like special occasions. Like, okay. And it, they did it. The, the Commissioner's Historic Achievement Award. That's okay. what it is. And the, the last time they had given it was something like four or five years ago. And uh, they just gave him that because of everything that he did as both a pitcher and a hitter. The, yeah, yeah, the last time they gave it. 2014 to Derek Jeter, um, and they gave it to Vin Scully as well, okay. recognizing his lifetime accomplishments. But yeah, I mean Otani. I mean, there's a guy who plays in Los Angeles, and you you really right. 
you know, unless you really follow the sport. <laughs> he doesn't play know? on the right side of Los Angeles. That's, that's what it is. So That's exactly it. That's exactly it. He plays in Anaheim instead of L.A. Well, we're a little bit. Do we have time for one more? Yeah, I think we, we got. I think we got time. Why don't you play? I gave, I sent you some audio. Why uh-huh. don't you play that soundbite from this week? Kirk Herbstreet talking on Sirius XM satellite radio about the USC job and Brian Kelly. Let's hear that. All right. There's going to be different names that will surface. I, I I I keep going back to I think Brian Kelly would be a an interesting hire, an interesting name. I'm not saying Brian Kelly would leave Notre Dame. I'm just saying if I were USC, I, I might knock on his door and talk to him. Um, I, I don't know if Brian Kelly would leave anywhere. You know, I think he's in a really good spot, um, but it's worth asking. Um, so anyway, I, I think he, he's a, he could be a possibility. Um, mentioned Luke Fickle is a possibility. But, uh, you know, I think, I think Mike's in a tough spot because it's so early in the game and all these other coaches are, are busy working and, and doing what they need to do, right? So he's got a head start, but you're starting to see other openings uh, out there with LSU, most notably. So it's it's um, it's going to be a little bit of a of a game that these ads have to play. But uh, hopefully USC gets the guy that they want, and we can get that USC brand back to to being a national power again. Well, that last part I don't care about uh, <laughs> whether or not USC. <laughs> as a national power but the first part there from kirk herbstreet about usc should give brian kelly a call for that vacancy what did you think about that that was my first reaction my second reaction <laughs> was silence right exactly uh my second reaction was actually like oh you know he's kind of got a point you know why not why not throw it against the wall see if it sticks you know why not if I'm USC? And then, you know, it, you get to have, you know, as a Notre Dame fan, you get to have that that sweet satisfaction that Brian Kelly just went <laughs> to uh, to USC, you know, both on the field and off of it. So, you know, I, I, I see where he's coming from. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, you know, never say never, but never. Yeah, there you so, go. Yeah. Mike Tomlin. And exactly. I think I think that the USC I think that Brian Kelly makes more sense for USC than USC makes for Brian Kelly. Mm. And for this reason, what Kirk Herbstreet is talking about, they need they need their Pete Carroll basically. Yeah. They need someone who can rebuild the foundation of that program the way Pete Carroll did in that seven-year stretch where they were so successful. Now, he was there for eight years. They went six and six the first year. So, you know, like I said, I'm not – I'm talking about the actual stretch of success. Now, yeah. were there some dubious things going on? We know there was at least with Reggie Bush, you know. So how firmly was that program actually built? Pete Carroll got out of town before the hammer came down and all that stuff. But he's shown that he's still – a good head coach with with the the track record of success that he's had in Seattle. But my point is, USC needs someone who can restabilize that program the way Brian Kelly yeah. has restabilized Notre Dame, especially over this this current 
five-year stretch that they're in. Because, I mean, just look at, you know, we can talk about problems with the offensive line and you've used a grad transfer quarterback. It's like Brian Kelly with what he has done with the quarterback. And, again, you know, you, you can criticize him if you want, but, it, you know, he, it's almost like he's bullpenning out there sometimes. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. <laughs> you know, with, with what, kind of, with what kind of, they have a done. A little bit of an embarrassment of riches, right. Yeah, that's right. But, you know, they, they are winning this year because of the fact that in spite of a really inconsistent offensive line early on, they've got a foundation, a strong foundation built here. They've got a good defense. They've got really good skill position talent around that offensive line. And now they figured some things out last week. But USC, it's it's not just the football program. It's the athletic administration. Yeah, It is a mess. And if you're Brian Kelly... Why would you want to leave Notre Dame where right. you have had one athletic director in your tenure here, whereas USC has had four athletic directors in that same time? They I had Mike Garrett. Yeah. <laughs> they've had Mike Garrett from 1993 to 2010, and then yeah. Pat Hayden they had from 2010 to 16, Lynn Swan for three years, and now they've got Mike Bone there. So, you know, they finally went outside the family to, to try to – to get their administration and, and, you know, kind of get their ducks in a row there. But that USC, you know, it's not just the football program, you know. And then, like, if you – and I've said this several times, that seven-year stretch under Pete Carroll where they had all that success, that's really – you have to go all the way back to the 1970s, the late 1970s with McKay and Robinson – since they were that stable, you know, right. or like consistently good, yeah. I guess. It, it has really been hit and miss in the in the last 40 years other than that stretch that Pete Carroll had. So if you're Brian Kelly, you just turned 60 this week. You, you've, got, you've had Notre Dame in the college football playoff in two of the last three years. You've built all this success here. Your recruiting is getting better. You're six and one this year, despite the fact that it it has been the most inconsistent looking season since the four and eight season, and you you know you've got a young talent like Tyler Buckner. You've got all these other young recruits. You know the the, the recruiting is only getting better right now. Yeah. So you you've built this Notre Dame program to where it is. Why would you want to give that up to go right. to a place where there's been so much turmoil for for the last couple of decade or you know at least decade. Or so, you know. So, like I said, it makes sense for USC to have a guy like Brian Kelly, but I don't think it makes sense for Brian Kelly, you right. know, to where he is in his career, you know, to just pack up because the sun's a little bit shinier right. And, right. and all that kind of stuff out in Los Angeles. Yeah, you, you you look at all the programs that are consistently good, you know, over like the last ten years, and they all have really one thing in common, and that is. Like same athletic director, or at least somebody you know, at least somebody who was in the tree. You know, maybe they lost a guy to retirement or something like that. But mm-hmm. you know, like his second in command takes over, so you know that continuity keeps up. And you know, same AD and same head coach, right through that time. Exactly. You, 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 and honestly, I don't think you can have a championship program without both of those pieces. Yeah, you can't have it. So. I agree. All right, let's go ahead and take our time out. All right. When we come back, we'll uh, get a little bit of Tar Heel in us. 
Sean Crest from AllTarHeels.com will tell us a little bit about North Carolina. We will do that when we return. It is the Leprechaun Lunch presented by First State Bank, the only community bank headquartered in Elkhart County. First State Bank offers the highest quality products and services. We'll do that when we return on the Leprechaun Lunch on Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT. Right now, we're going to talk a little bit of North Carolina with Fighting Irish hosting the Tar Heels Saturday night at 7.30 at Notre Dame Stadium. And with us from alltarheels.com, Sean Crest. Sean, how you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on. Well, you know, I, I guess to start off with, Sean, a lot of love for Mac Brown and his return to North Carolina, what, three or so years ago. What's... What's kind of the barometer on him right now? Year three, and they're sitting here. There were a lot of expectations, but they're four and three and 500 right now in the ACC. Yeah, it's the first time since his return that he's really hit some rocky times this year. Uh, I guess you could call it the Orange Bowl last year with the players uh, opting out, uh, several of their star players. I guess that was kind of the first uh, red flag. And then this year, uh, they came into the season ranked in the top 10, uh, lost their opener, and they've played 500 balls since then. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's been, yeah, it's been kind of a, a rough year. There's some questions about Mac this year that hadn't been asked in, in previous years. And I think the loss to Florida State, uh, who Mac Brown has never beaten in his career, uh, I think that kind of really emphasized that, that, uh, this may not be the guy that they thought they were getting, at least among some of the fan base here at UNC. Well, and that's, you know, b- beyond his national championship, that obviously being the high water at Texas, after that there were still a lot, you know, a lot of people who said, well, you know, you don't have Vince Young, you can't win the big game. That seems to have kind of followed him, you know, in his career rebirth, I guess, so to speak, back at North Carolina, huh? That's right, and there's questions about his. Hey, he's been near the top of the league in recruiting each year. Uh, so then there's the old charge of he's a recruiter, but he's not really a game coach. Yeah. Uh, and then there's also been some questions about a rift in the program this year. Uh, they had their bye week last week where they didn't have to play. You'd think that would be a good thing for a team. Uh, and they had three players enter the transfer portal once they had <laughs> a little time to think about it. Wow. Well, you know, I think Sam Howell is maybe you know one of the bigger reasons for all the preseason hype that Carolina had numbers wise he looks pretty good how would you evaluate his play this season overall he's been good he hasn't been the Heisman candidate that he entered the year as uh, and so I think the people are down on him because of that but uh, he's been he's he's going to go out out of Chapel Hill as one of UNC's best quarterbacks in program history if not the best uh, so you got to take it with a grain of salt. Yes, he's not the best player in the nation, uh, but he's still better than anything they've seen here in Chapel Hill in a long time. Yeah, and he's running a lot more this year as well. Their second leading rusher, a little under 500 yards right now, which is already more than his first two years at North Carolina combined. Where, where did that aspect of his game come from this year? I think that came from some of the losses to the NFL. They had one of the best running tandems last year in Michael Carter and Javante sure. Williams, uh, and they both left early for the NFL. Uh, they, the Tar Heels were kind of scrambling. They had they had a couple of uh, players who had barely carried the ball in the Orange Bowl last year, uh, replacing them, and then they got a transfer from Tennessee. But I, I think they realized that if they wanted to have a balanced offense uh, and they didn't want 
uh, teams to just hang back and, and dare Sam Howell to throw into a zone. Uh, they needed to do something to, to create that threat on the ground, and Sam Howell has done it himself. So it's a it's an interesting wrinkle in the offense that I think a lot of people around the league weren't expecting heading into this year. What are, you, you mentioned the transfer, Ty Chandler. He came in from Tennessee, and he had been – it looked like a contributor anyway at Tennessee, but he is their leading rusher now at, at, at running back this season. What, what do you think of what they've gotten from him so far? I don't think you could have asked for much more from him. Um, again, he's he's kind of looked on in Chapel Hill with a bit of a negative uh, aspect just because he's not the guys they had last year. He's not two NFL early round caliber running backs. He doesn't have that talent. Uh, but he's he, he's you know got 600 yards I think on the ground this year. He's he's done about what they could ask of him coming into a, a strange situation like that. With Sean Crest, he covers North Carolina for the Sports Illustrated website All Tar Heels dot com and and uh, you, you talked about some of the other talent that they lost i mean they lost their their top couple wide receivers as well and this guy josh downs you wouldn't know it you know that that he was barely a contributor last year but uh, he's been their leading receiver this year what about him how would you evaluate his play and has he kind of exceeded the expectations maybe that anyone would have had for him well, he, he was a high, highly regarded recruit when he came in. He, he didn't play a lot last year simply because he had those two NFL guys in front of him, mm-hmm. uh, as well as Bo Corrales, who should have been back this year, but he's battled injuries all year. So so this year he's gotten kind of a boost just because there's nobody else really for Sam to throw to. Uh, but, no, he's, he's, definitely, he's definitely impressed this year, and, and there have been some games where he seems to be uh, the entire passing offense for, for Carolina, where Sam can't really look anywhere else. Yeah, that's what it, it sounds like. Just some of the things that I've seen and read, like Sam Howell slash Downs, they're not getting a whole lot of help from other guys. Like, is that a major issue for this team? I think ideally, yeah, Carolina would like some other guys to step forward. They've got some, they've got some talented young receivers. They just haven't produced consistently. They've got Emory Simmons. Uh, they had Choffrey Brown, Dayami Brown's uh, younger brother, and he's one of the players that transferred during this past week. Uh, so they've got some guys that are promising, but they just haven't stepped up and been consistent this year. So I think that's, that's something in the second half of the season that I think coordinator Phil Longo is going to hope to develop. What about their defense? 64th in total defense in the nation, 74th in terms of pass efficiency defense. And, you know, Brian Kelly was you know kind of talking like, look, there are some players over on that side of the ball. Is it fair to say that, that maybe they haven't, you know, kind of held up their end of the deal this year? They've been very young. I think Kelly is right that they do have a lot of players, a lot of promising players, but especially on the defensive line, uh, they're very, very young. They played a lot of guys last year because they saw that this was going to happen this year and they wanted to get them some experience. Uh, But for the most part, it's true sophomores or redshirt freshmen on that defensive line, uh, which is causing some problems. And especially you can see it among mobile quarterbacks. They've really given the Tar Heels fits this year uh, where some of those young guys are getting caught going in the wrong direction when they're trying to bring down somebody who can run with the ball. (laughs) Well, now if Tyler Buckner is on the field Saturday, that'll mean something. But if Jack Cohn is, that's obviously a different story. We all know that. So, um, you, you know, Uh, You were kind of alluding to this, and Brian Kelly was asked if if he could explain North Carolina's inconsistencies, you know, despite the talent that they have. He really didn't have an answer. Do do you think it goes back to whatever kind of things that you were talking about that are, you know, kind of going on 
you know, in the locker room or, you know, like internal, more internal than necessarily X and O type stuff? Is that what it seems like to you? I think so. I think they didn't handle, and Matt Brown has said this throughout the last two years, that they don't handle um, success well. That when they're highly regarded, when, they're, when their rating starts to go up in the AP poll, um, some of them tend to read their own press clippings and, and don't do what they need to do that got them there. Uh, so I think there's some frustration uh, on the team uh, because of that. I think some people are not handling those expectations well, and that, that was something we saw at the beginning of the year. Uh, and now that they're not having success, some of those divisions are starting to fester. So I think that that's that as well as some of the guys that they lost where they didn't really have a plan to replace them, some of the guys they lost that they weren't expecting to lose uh, all at once this year. I think that the expectation was North Carolina was probably going to win the ACC Coastal Division this year, but Pitt is sitting at the top right now. It's interesting. I was looking at the schedules today. Pittsburgh is three and zero, so they've only played three games. Whereas North Carolina is three and three already in the conference, so they've played three more games. If you're handicapping right now, is there any chance you think that Pittsburgh doesn't win it? Does North Carolina have it all a shot to get back in that race? Uh, we were looking at scenarios today, in fact, and there there are scenarios where Carolina could still represent the Coastal in that championship game. Uh, they'd need to win out, obviously, and have a lot of help uh, from other teams. Uh, but it is still possible. They're still mathematically alive. Um, but, yeah, I would say right now Pitt's in the driver's seat, but it's the ACC Coastal, and as we've seen over the years, uh, you never know what's going to happen down the stretch in that division. Yeah, and uh, you know, you, you talk about reversals in, uh, in in Heisman candidacies. That whole thing is, has swung kind of with what's going on at, at, at quarterback play. Well, not necessarily, you know, again, no fault to Sam Howell, but, I mean, my goodness, uh, big change in perception in what's going on there right now. That's right. Well, the, the Heisman usually goes to somebody that's winning, so so yeah, the attention starts to go away from the four and point. three team and towards the teams at the top of the top of the polls. Yep. Sean, I'm curious. You know, this is the third game for Notre Dame against an ACC team this year after playing a full conference schedule. Um, you know, last year, obviously, and, and when I think of the ACC, I think the heart of the ACC is right where you guys. Or you know, right now, are you hearing you know more or less of the Notre Dame should be in a conference and all that kind of stuff down there? You know, especially with this being the lead up to to Notre Dame this week, are are you hearing it? You know, any more of that kind of stuff this year? I think it's something that the league definitely wants, and I think they were holding out hope that uh, once Notre Dame had a taste of it last year, they just decide to stick around. So, so when that didn't happen. Uh, I think the reality maybe set in across the ACC at least a little bit, but they're still hoping. They're still hoping to convince them, especially with the uh, all the conference roulette that we're seeing going on right now, that that maybe Notre Dame will, will change their mind and decide that they want to have a seat at the table after all. And now a little bit on North Carolina from the Notre Dame website, IrishBreakdown.com, with our friend Brian Triscoll, Sam Howell, North Carolina quarterback. He's uh, he's running a lot more this year, mm-hmm. almost 500 rushing yards. How well equipped do you think this is? This is maybe. I mean, you could you could make a case that you know they've seen some dual threat guys. You know, he's maybe the the, the top one it, because he like his first two years he was like what like 180 total rushing yards or something like that. How well equipped do you think Notre Dame, Notre Dame is to handle that without Kyle Hamilton? I definitely think that you're. I would definitely agree with you that he's the top dual threat 
player. Now he's not the most dynamic runner that Notre Dame has faced, but he is the guy that you know he's such a better passer than Jordan Travis and Braxton Burmeister that it makes his running even more dangerous because you have to be so prepared to handle the pass. Uh, And he's, I mean, he's already doubled his career rushing yards this season, and. Yeah, I think with Notre Dame, you you have to pick one of two options, right? And and both have some merit. One is, listen, we're going to go with a lot more four down. We're going to dominate the line of scrimmage. They're not going to be able to run the ball. We're going to put him in second and longs and third and longs, and we're going to harass him and get him off balance, and he's just not going to get comfortable because when Sam Howe gets pressured, like a lot of quarterbacks, but he his footwork goes out the window. He rushes throws. He makes bad reads, and he turns the ball over. It's just, it's kind of been his mo his whole career, mm-hmm. uh, and it's been that way this year. And that's a lot of quarterbacks. I mean, I don't know a lot of quarterbacks not named like Brady and Manning that are like, oh yeah, I'm great when there's pressure. You know, when I'm getting harassed. I mean, that's what makes the greats the greats. So I think that's one way to go about it. The other one is to kind of have a similar strategy to last week, and that is. Look, we're not going to give him a chance to, to take deep shots and beat us with big plays. We're going to make him nickel and dime us, and we think that eventually we're going to be able to make a stop or they're going to make a mistake. And I think that's a little bit more dangerous this week than it was last week because, you, as you said, he's a much more dynamic running quarterback than Keaton Slovis. He's a better passing quarterback than Keaton Slovis, and he throws one of the best deep balls in college football. I mean, Sam Howe is a great deep ball thrower. And I think that there's more of a threat of that this week. Whereas if you force USC to nickel and dime, they were going to do that Mm because that's who they are anyway. This is a much more aggressive passing attack that if Sam Howell has time to sit in the pocket, some of the time that Keaton Slovis has last week, he's going to attack you down the field. And without Kyle Hamilton, that becomes a much more dangerous, risky proposition. Well, and his main target, Josh Downs, 5'10", he's a slot guy. The first real slot as a main weapon type guy, I think, that the Irish have seen this season. And like when you look at his production, it's like almost 45% of their entire receiving production. So obviously, he is a main focus. How do you think they go about defending him? Well, it's, you know, that's the thing is... I, I, I feel like I'm I'm repeating some of the same things I said last week in, 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 in that one thing I think North Carolina does a really good job of is moving him around in a way that makes it hard for you to just say, hey, we're going to line up and play him this way. Because, you know, you mentioned he's a slot player and he is a slot player, but they'll stack him, they'll motion him, they'll put him outside at times to the field. Um, you know, they'll do things to where you just can't line up and say, hey, we're going to press him or we're going to double him because you don't know where he's going to end up being. And so uh, it, it's really just about not letting him, you know, when he's going to run past three to four yards, you have to reroute him. You have to jam him. You have to use his lack of size against him. You can't let him get clean releases. Your linebackers have to be really aware of him working inside on slants and on crossing routes. And it's just about the same thing we discussed last week, right? He's going to get some catches because they do such a great job of scheming for him to get catches. I mean, they're going to run RPOs. They're going to run screens. They're going to do things that allow him to get touches. What you can't do, however, is allow him to make the game-changing plays. And that's what we talked about with Drake London. Up until that 44-yard catch late in the game, yeah, he was putting up a lot of numbers, but none of them were like, oh, my gosh, that guy's killing you, and and, and he's making these game-changing plays. You weren't seeing that, and they need to do the same thing with with Josh Downs. Is you know if he catches seven eight balls like David, I mean David Bell caught seven balls against Notre Dame for sixty two yards. They they've seen some really good receivers this year. They've had pretty good game plans from letting those guys take over games. The one difference here is this is the most explosive kid 
uh, of that group that they face, and that's where he presents such a, a more challenging matchup. And that was Brian Driscoll from IrishBreakdown.com there at the end. Sean Crest from AllTarHeels.com at the beginning. We had some cell phone issues with Sean, and he cut out. So I figured we'd kind of fill it in with a little bit of analysis from Brian there at the end. But both of those websites, IrishBreakdown.com and AllTarHeels.com, are both Sports Illustrated websites. We'll take a timeout. When we come back, Jim Irizarry joins me. We will hit some uh, props and lines for the weekend college football will take a look at Notre Dame from a sports wagering perspective. Notre Dame, North Carolina tomorrow. It's the Leprechaun Lunch presented by First State Bank on Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT. A little thriller. I like it. Halloween weekend. Hope you're having a good one with Jim Irizarry, Sean Styers, Leprechaun Lunch, presented by First State Bank. Hopefully tomorrow night is not spooky at Notre Dame Stadium, Notre Dame, North Carolina. 7.30 kickoff tomorrow. Our coverage starts at 1 o'clock with the Brian Kelly Show. 2 o'clock, it is game day with Vince and Tim. 4 o'clock, Darren Pritchett and I have game day sports beat. Vince is also going to pitch in on game day sports beat again. Tomorrow, because Darren has to take off for Notre Dame hockey. It's a 6 o'clock start time tomorrow. 6.30, Notre Dame uh, tailgate show, the the national tailgate show. 7.30, kickoff with Paul Burmeister and Ryan Harris. And then after the game, the post-game show with former Notre Dame quarterback Evan Sharpley. And I I did that all off the top of my head. I am so used to this is the third (laughs) night game in a row. It's the exact same schedule. So (laughs) we've got another one coming up in a couple of weeks, right? That's right. Don't we? So I believe so. I believe so. At least that's that's the way it's looking for Virginia. They still haven't announced a time for that yet. Yeah. (sighs) And I think think, some of us need a certain time by a certain point here. We might get it by the end of the weekend. (laughs) Okay. I'm trying to remember how they do that. Okay. Yeah. I know. They're they're really good. And that's <sighs> that's at least, you know, at least we know going into the season what the home kickoff times are going to be. But it's Correct. always wait and see when it comes to yeah. those road games because of ESPN and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Well, we've got a, a, a few minutes here. What have you got? from a uh, wagering aspect for us for the weekend? Uh, Let's see. Uh, Irish three-and-a-half-point favorite over North Carolina, which sounds about right. Uh, Let's see. And that's that's almost like considering – I mean, that's basically they're getting the benefit of the doubt because it's a home game. I'm surprised that they were a bigger favorite against USC in a rivalry home game than in this one tomorrow. But I like Notre Dame in that one, minus three-and-a-half. I, I think the uh, the dumpster fire aspect of USC. Yeah, I think that's that kind of adds to it, though. That's <laughs> so, true. Uh, over under set at sixty two and a half. I think I said yesterday I like the over. I, I I'm. I, I was I was off on the points. You know, like the total points mm-hmm. last week. What I thought that there would be, but I, I still think I like the over on that. Okay. Uh, who throws for more yards, Sam Howell or Jack Cohn? I've got to go with Sam Howell. Me too. Because, like, even last week, Jack Cohn had a really efficient game, but he still only had, like, what, 189 yards. So I like Howell to have more passing yards tomorrow. Uh, 
Downs versus Kevin Austin. Who has more receiving yards? I've got to go with Downs. Austin has been really. I I think maybe what you can say what you like about Notre Dame is you know with the exception of Michael Mayer early on the rest of the season it, you know there there hasn't necessarily been one guy and they've distributed the ball. They really do spread well. it out pretty well. Yeah. So I've got to go with Downs because again he's forty three percent of their receiving <laughs> yeah, offense. Yeah. So. Uh, speaking of Michael Mayer, how many catches will he have over under six and a half? That's a good question because he it's been not that he's been up or down, but like the injury and he really wasn't a huge part of last week. So I think I'm going to go under. I'm going to go under for Michael Mayer tomorrow, under six and a half. All right. Uh, how many total yards will Kyron Williams have versus North Carolina and you were shocked about this number. Over under 104 and a half. Yeah, that just seems really low yeah. to me because, you know, you know, he had 180 total yards last week. And not that that's a given, but that's he had his best rushing game of the season last week. And North Carolina does not have a good rushing defense. Yeah. So I, I, I'm, I'm going over. For Kyron Williams, that that almost seems so easy that he'll probably be under. But yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go. I'm going to go over. <laughs> it's it's the kind of bet that's uh, almost too good to be true, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, let's see. Combined passing and rushing attempts by Tyler Buckner, five and a half is the number. So combined rushing and passing attempts. Yes. So the, his total. Pass attempts plus rush attempts, mm. five and a half yeah. over for me. Okay. Basically, like, how many plays is he going to play? Yeah, exactly. Um, and then <laughs> one more. Uh, who will lead Notre Dame in receiving yards? Michael Mayer, Kevin Austin, Avery Davis, or other? Um, I don't think I'll go other. I think I'll go Kevin Austin. <laughs> okay. All right. I have uh, – I, 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 you know, I had one question since we do have a little bit of time. We got about uh, a minute here. Yeah, so got about we a got minute. Go quick. Uh, college football playoff first poll comes out. Uh, this, you know, after this weekend. Yes. Uh, who you got as the top four? Ooh. Um, off the top of my head, Georgia. Yep. Uh, I think Cincinnati will be in there. I don't know if they'll be number two like they are in the human polls. Right. Yeah. Right now, they could um, be a four. What's that? I would not be surprised if they were four. Yeah, and that's that's what I was going to say. I would not be surprised at that either. Um, Alabama will be in there, and yeah. I think Oklahoma will still be in there as well. So I don't think it'll be different. I think it might just be a little bit reshuffled compared to what the human polls look like right now. Yeah, mine, mine actually looks just about the same, really. Okay. So. All right, that's going to do it. We got to uh, Edward Jones is one of our sponsors, of course. Four Winds Casino, Legacy Heating and Air, South Bend Orthopedics, Wings, etc., and of course our title sponsor, First State Bank, lending strength to our communities by devoting ourselves to helping local businesses grow and prosper. For Jimmy Rosary, Sean Styers, Leprechaun Lunch, WSBT South Bend. <laughs> 
Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 